Did did you ever did you ever do the thing which I think everyone has done, where you load up everything in the lunchable into one giant lunchable stack? Yeah. But then if you bite into it, the leverage isn't right, and it just catapults what's in it across the table. Yep. And then you've got no lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've just got the rest of the crackers. <laughs> yeah. Because you in that scenario, you only use two crackers, right? Because any more than that would be a would. Oh yeah, of course. Be insane. Yeah. Did you ever have the pizza ones that they did? Yes, they were <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> well, you had like the tomato puree that you had to like cold tomato puree that you put on top of a what wasn't anything that resembled a pizza base. Uh, you you know, speaking of awful, awful food, what I did remember the other day was crispy pancakes. Oh, Finder's ones. Finder's crispy pancakes. <laughs> they were fucking horrible. They were stuffed with cheese and ham. In a yeah, yeah. pancake that was crispy. It had like polenta. Is it like polenta on the outside or something? I think so. It was weird. I I ate them like they were fucking crack. I wouldn't stop. Have they just gone? Or are I they? Think... Let's have a look. Oh no! Apparently, you can buy them at Iceland. There was like the meat ones as well. Yes, that's a nostalgia meal. There we go, crispy pancakes filled with ham and mozzarella. I like this. What happened to Finder's crispy pancakes? They used to come in cheese, ham and cheese, and beef flavours, but these have now been scrapped and replaced with new flavours. Birdseye said it's using more premium ingredients for the new style crispy pancakes, which now come in mozzarella, tomato and mozzarella, and ham and mozzarella flavours. That's the, the idea of fucking... Finder's crispy pancakes being premium is um is a hell of a stretch, but fair play to whichever marketing uh, agency had to put that uh, to, had to deliver on that brief. Yeah, we we want to really kind of upmarket these Finder's crispy pancakes. It's like Finder's crispy pancakes, but imagine if you bought them at Fortnum and Mason. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. Asked for this. So welcome to a, a, a frightfully scary episode of the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris. And me, Graham Jones. And this week, because this is our Halloween special, we are diving back into the murky... I don't know why I'm talking in this fucking uh, rhythm. But we are diving into the, uh, the murky world of horror movies. Um, specifically... Which historical figures should be in a horror movie? You've gone very stadium announcer meets Toast of London. It is a bit, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. So that's what this week's uh, top three lists are. Uh, should we start the episode actually summarising what the point of our episodes are? <laughs> is is there? Is there a point to is any there? of this? So this is the podcast <laughs> nobody asked for where we come up with a top three list based on a topic. There we go. This week's top three list is which historical figure should be in a horror movie. I don't. There we go. I don't think we've professional as fuck. I mate. don't think we've done that since the first episode. First couple. <laughs> first couple. We could also put our social media shit in here, but let's not rock the boat too much. No. So, so this episode came about because I put on a random film called Ravens Hollow, and it was about a group of army cadets in like the late 19th century investigating a haunted town 
where there'd been these murders. And then during the film, it became apparent that the lead army cadet was a fictionalised version of Edgar Allan Poe. Excellent. And there was no reason for him to be. Like, it didn't change the story at all, apart from whenever they said Raven, they winked at the camera. Basically. Was, was he not like... I, I, I'm imagining as he kind of was dispatching uh, people that there would be kind of like elements of really poetic prose that he would he would say as he kind of struck them down. Well, they, they chucked out like they forced the phrase nevermore into <laughs> every like crevice of that. Um, I mean, credit where it's due. It's, a, it's actually it's a good film. Like it is it is a you know, it's not breaking boundaries or on anyone's yeah. like film of the year lists or anything but i don't regret having watched it and i would recommend it to people but it didn't have to whether it was edgar Allan poe or not had no implication on the storyline at all you will breathe nevermore um bang but also surely the clue was in the title though right oh yeah but like i don't expect like that's so raven i wasn't expecting to be about edgar Allan poe but it was <laughs> Oh yeah, good point. That's uh, knock, I, I never knock, did get knocking far on my chamber door. Never, never did get far enough into that show to realise the Edgar Allan Poe switch. Out of interest, uh, is is your entire exposure to the works of Edgar Allan Poe that one Treehouse of Horror episode? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like um, then there was the um, oh, what was the. There was like a, um, it was on Sky Atlantic, so I think it was on like some network in the US. But the cult series with, um, where they were, it was kind of based around Edgar Allan Poe, where they all had Edgar Allan Poe masks. The following, the following, Kevin ba- yeah, Kevin yeah. Bacon. Kevin was it Bacon. Kevin Bacon? Yeah, it's what Kevin Bacon was doing um, before he was landing planes in people's. Um... Ah, yes, and uh, James Purfoy. Yes. Or as most people refer to him as, which is unfair because he is a good actor, but I do it myself anyway. Oh, look, it's the guy from A Knight's Tale. <laughs> oh, so it had three seasons. I watched the first season, really enjoyed it, and then didn't watch the rest of it. It's all available on Amazon Prime. Um, I definitely watched the first two. It is very. It was very good. Yeah, it was very good. It also... I think any kind, like, you have to be in the right frame of mind for a show that is just fucked up, right? Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty messed up. The the um character who was played by uh, Valerie Curry, um she was called Emma Hill in it was really quite terrifying. She had the really yeah. like uh short hair um was proper obsessed with uh James Purfoy. I don't remember it. It's one of those shows again. Like I I remember liking it but i now couldn't tell you anything about it james purfoy was a novelist uh yes who'd killed a bunch of people escaped from prison kevin bacon i'm assuming was just kevin bacon he basically had a following so he he started a cult basically oh that's the that's the name that's the name um and that's why it's not called the solo author (laughs) yeah but look out for the that starring stephen king Coming to theatres near you. Good times. So I, I do have I have a fun game we can play because, of course, remember when these intros used to be three minutes long? <laughs> and I also have a list of um, historical figures who have already appeared in some horror movies. So, like I said, we have Raven's Hollow, which was Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. Um, another one that jumps to mind, uh, and I think will probably be used as an example through this episode a lot, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. 
yeah. feature, featuring Abraham Lincoln as a vampire hunter. Uh, and that obviously then featured other kind of people from that era as well. Uh, Baba Hotep. Yes. Features, depending on your interpretation of the film, either Elvis Presley or Elvis Presley and John F. Kennedy. Are we, are we really saying it's a horror? Though? It's a mummy. It's a, it's a horror comedy. I suppose so, yeah. I, I'd, I'd put that. It is quite... For a low, it, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'm comfortable saying that's a horror. You, you sounded quite up. You're like, it's a mummy. It's a mummy. <laughs> well, I am a mummy's boy. <laughs> bit of, bit of mummification humour for you there. It, it, I mean, this is stretching the boundaries of horror even further. Uh, Dracula Untold, the Luke Evans Dracula movie. It's explicitly Vlad the Impaler in it. Okay. So obviously, Dracula is based. On Vlad the Impaler, but in Dracula Untold, it's specifically him. Rasputin has rocked up rah, in a rah. fair amount. The lover of the Russian Queen. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's a big part of the Hellboy mythos, and that obviously has kind of horror elements to it. This isn't a horror movie, but he's a horror character. Benedict Arnold in America, the motion picture is a werewolf. <laughs> Fucking hell, I love that. And this one isn't a horror movie, but I wanted to mention it anyway in terms of historical figures in, or fictional versions of historical figures anyway. Uh, the anime Record of Ragnarok, which is now available on Netflix. Uh, it is fucking mental. I sent, think I sent you that we've talked about the trailer before as being the most anime anime ever made. Yeah. So... Every every thousand years, the gods' council assemble to decide the fate of humanity. And after seven million years, they've decided that we're no good and we should go extinct. And they decide to hold battles where the Valkyries get to pick 13 notable humans from across history to fight against 13 of the most popular gods. And it is exactly what you would think it would be. Talk- it's a- Talking of um, like the most anime animes... I think a while ago I sent you the trailer for the Cyberpunk Edge Runners anime. Have you watched yes. that? Yes, I haven't, but I've heard very good things. I haven't watched the series, um, but the trailer is like wild, absolutely I, wild. I was recently recommended by uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, I said that I was about to immediately go into the anime title, and that sounds like that's my friend's name. <laughs> so I was recently recommended by a good friend of mine, Mob Psycho One Hundred. <laughs> Which is apparently, it's the same, I think it's based on a manga by the same guy who did One Punch Man. Okay, yeah. And it's supposed to be fucking insane. But Record of Ragnarok, the the 13 people they get to um, fight on behalf of humans include Adam of And Eve fame. Yep. Jack the Ripper. Buddha. uh, Tesla, Rasputin, uh, Leonidas. Why have they got a car? Um, it was the one that went into space ah. with Bowie, so it, you know it was kind of a big deal. And then, like, uh, obviously, because this is uh, leans heavily on Japanese uh, culture, there's also like a famous sumo wrestler from the 19th century and things like that. And it's just so over the top, and I fucking love it. And yeah, I mean, basically, what I'm saying is there is a rich history of utilizing fictional characters in weird and wacky ways. Uh, we have a number of rules. Sorry, just just one. 
thing there. Fictional? Are you, are you insinuating that Abraham Lincoln was fictional? Uh, it, no, I'm saying historical figures in fictional way, fictionalized okay. versions you, of you, historical figures. You, did, you I did say, say fictional figures. You said fictional characters. <laughs> My bad. Let's try that again. So what I'm saying is there is a, a vast history, a vast history nice. of fictionalized historical figures, and that's kind of what we're going to be diving into a bit today so the only rules we have in place are so we can't just do like a drama of a horrific event or horrific thing that happened to someone so less like the revenant and more abraham lincoln vampire hunter i think the example i used as well was we're not just looking at like an adaptation of a serial killer it's serial killer's life. We're looking to take a historical figure and put them into the plot of a kind of a a, a different movie, a different movie, a different a movie. movie. You because know what I mean? Their life was a movie in and of itself. Yeah, this this can be uh, like an Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, where you're taking them set in their own time and they're just in the plot of a horror movie, uh, or you know, fuck it, someone could come back as a ghost. We don't know. You know, there's lots of ways we could approach this. There's lots of things that could happen. We also aren't going to have anybody playing themselves. So any histor- any people we might deem as a historical figure, um, because that episode would have been covered by our Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent special, mm. which we released earlier this year. So it's a good one. I think there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of horror shit. We get to properly go dive deep into uh, hypotheticals this week. Uh, and just try to come up with the most fucked up horror movie we could think of starring fictionalised versions of historical figures. Boom. Finally get to put my, uh... Because I don't know if you know this, Graham, but I do have a history degree. The Ian Harry's history section. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Oh, God. Yes, we know. So, yeah, we'll go. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe there'll be some naval history. We'll see what happens. So, talking of... Historical figures. Mm. We have a game we can play. Okay. It's quite a short game, but basically I just want to know who all of these people have in common, or what do all of these people have in common. Yeah. Agatha Christie. Yeah. William Shakespeare. They wrote things. Winston Churchill. He wrote things as well. Charles Dickens. He also wrote things. Richard Nixon. He, he recorded. Things. He recorded things. Yeah, he he was he was into podcasting. Vincent Van Gogh. He wrote things with paint. Wrote things with paint. Uh, Queen Elizabeth the first. Yep. Queen Elizabeth the second. Yep. And Queen Elizabeth the tenth. They're all dead. Oh uh, well, I mean, Queen Elizabeth the ten hasn't happened yet. But these are all uh, characters or people who have appeared on Doctor Who <laughs> at one time or another. They have appeared in Doctor Who. Time, you know, nice. One time or another, because he's, right? he's a time hey, lord. Time travel. Oi. Oh. Uh, so that's kind of like horror adjacent. I'm fairly sure Agatha Christie fought a giant bee. I mean, probably. Yeah. Winston Churchill, there were Daleks involved. Nixon, there was the silence, which were actually kind of legitimately creepy for pre-Watershed BBC time. Uh, the Vincent Van Gogh episode. You could have you, 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 but... you could have done a nice uh, watershed, Watergate oh, joke there. Pre oh, gosh, pre Watergate, yeah, pre nine pm Watergate. 
I hang my history degree in shame. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff. But yeah, because it's Halloween, we could also just talk broadly. I know you're not. Uh, you don't have a history degree, so I don't. I won't know. start asking asking about your favourite historical figures because that's a fucking loaded question. Ah, uh, uh, I mean, you've got there's some. I have I have a I have two degrees. Let's talk about my degrees for once, and I've got two of them. One of them's a master's, so screw you and your history ooh. degree. <laughs> <laughs> Some historical figures in psychology. Sigmund Freud. He was he was an interesting fella. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because you you uh, you did some fucking psychopath test on me or something. Uh, yes, yes, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you back, were... back back in the good old days. Blimey, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. Put put a weird helmet on me with a camera and tracked your eye movements. Got my, got me to look at two pictures at the same time for a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, classic. <laughs> you remember more about my dissertation than I do. No, I, I remember the uh, when I said, so what did you find out? Uh, you used the phrase, because it has stuck with me for a decade, uh, unexpected lingering. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that was, that was uh, 9,000 pounds of tuition well spent. <laughs> good good times talking of horror anyway i've i've don't know if you've been reading this that's come out today that we have a new most shocking horror movie you'll ever see people are passing out in the cinemas etc etc yes i was talking about this because only one thing has ever lived up to that for me yeah um no no it's not actually what you're thinking of oh you. um but that so what is what is this current one it's called terrifier 2 Oh fuck! Yes, I yes, um, and I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> yeah, because of course I go. I want to see it. It's not. It's got the clown. A... Yeah, the clown. I haven't seen yeah. Terrifier. It is gory, is it? It is very, very gory. So this is what they're saying about Terrifier Two: is it's so gory that people are passing out, etc., etc. Um, Interesting. So I don't know. It's is is it any good Terrifier? Oh, it, it it's very good. Again, yeah. it wouldn't be on it. It would, it would be the top of some very niche lists. Like it's a it's very low budget, but what they do with it is brilliant. Oh, interesting. It's definitely better than your usual like generic slasher affair, and it's also not going out to make a cult horror movie, which I think a lot of horror movies do, and then they end up feeling a bit forced, right? Yeah. Like this is just they knew what yeah. It's it's great. There was there's also the character, the cl- I can't remember the clown's Art. name, Art the Clown. Art the Clown. So he was, I think, he first appeared in like an anthology horror movie, All Hallows Eve, perhaps. Yes, and then they did Terrifier, and then obviously Terrifier Two. Yeah, I think. But yeah, I really want to watch it. The, the, so the only thing that has lived up to. Have you heard people have been fainting and collapsing? Was we went to see uh, years ago now Titus Andronicus at the Globe? Oh well, yeah, I heard about that. I re- remember reading this. And yeah, and someone someone fainted right in front of us. <laughs> a guy fainted straight into the person he was on a date with and possibly broke her nose. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Uh... It, so it it was it was very well done. It was kind of a bit. It was gorier than you would expect because obviously a character gets their tongue. And hands cut off. Yeah. Spoiler for something that originally came out in the 1600s. But yeah, like there were a lot of the crowd were there because they'd heard people had fainted and collapsed. A hundred percent. Because it's like five quid a ticket. Yeah, yeah. In the standing seat. 
standing seats, which isn't a thing. I would say for the second half, 20% of the crowd had gone. Oh, really? Min- minimum. A lot of people. And you could tell. So the lead woman in it, she was in This Way Up. She was in Game of Thrones. She was um, Pedro Pascal's character's partner. Oh, yeah. Game of Thrones. I know who you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she was the female lead in Titus Andronicus, and she's very fucking good. But three or four people fainted within the space of five minutes. None of the actors on stage batted an eyelid. So you knew that happened a lot. Yeah. And the um, paramedics were out like a flash. Like, it was like military precision of people who'd done this a lot, <laughs> a lot of times recently. That's excellent. Apparently, for like, one of the film festivals that shows Terrifier 2, they gave out um, branded um, vomit bags. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you get a, There was a big one with uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah. Did a short a horror short story collection? Oh, the one with the uh, at the bottom of the swimming pool. Yeah. yeah. So it was based on an urban myth of a kid who sat on a suction pump and then had to bite through his own intestines to yeah, get to the yeah, top. Yeah. Uh, apparently, people would faint and throw up during that. But I also then read an interesting article on it, which talks about the mass hysteria around that too. Yeah. Because if if you're told you're going to throw up while listening to something, it increases the likelihood of you throwing up while listening to something. Interesting. I mean, I've read it. It's um, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. But, but yeah, didn't have to rush to the ha- branded sick bags. Haunted was the is the it's a book uh, an anthology. Haunted. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. It's also not the most messed up thing that he's written about. I don't know if you've read. Is it damned? That's messed up. The the in yeah, pygmy was fucked as well. I, I haven't got through Pygmy because I started it and all of the redacted bits was just so jarring that I couldn't kind of keep up with yeah, it. Yeah, I I used to be a big fan of Chuck Palahniuk and I do think he's the author you can age out of a bit. Yeah, I still like his I, stuff. I, oh yeah, but like it's definitely speaks to angsty 20 year olds. Yeah, I, I think like, so. It, it's, it's got its voice and I think you latch onto it a bit more at a certain age. Yeah, uh, I can't. To be fair, I haven't read. I think Damned was probably the last thing I read of his. Um, I think the one with the rant. Rant is. I literally just. That's the car. Yeah. Yeah. That was. I quite enjoyed that because that had an incredible revelation halfway through as well, yeah. which I won't ruin. But. And then the ending was just... The ending was a proper... Right, I'm going to reread this bit because I think I've misunderstood what's happening. Yeah. And then it's right. It's like, oh, okay. Cool. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just rereading it. And yeah, that, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Uh, anyway. But, I mean, yeah, anyway. There's, yeah, there's a lot of... So yeah, Titus Andronicus is the only thing I... That that hype has lived up to and that wasn't because it made me feel like that it's because i explicitly saw it happen with other people yeah i remember they talked about it a lot during like blair witch and um the first uh paranormal activity as well people were fainting because they were so scared um it's one of those things that sets it up for failure in my eyes because apart from one movie that shall not be named i've never had i've never i know I'd have, I'd have fainted or anything at watching that movie, but I've never been like, 
it's never lived up to the oh my god this is so shocking that there there are horror movies that have stuck with me for sure so i i recently watched speak no evil which was a shudder original and i'm going to be thinking about that movie for a while like it's that kind of like oh fuck this is this is not nice yeah the so it's a dutch film that translates to the vanishing okay it's like Sporeloos or something like that. There's an American remake which is awful, but the original is again. That's another like horror thing. That low key horror that just like it like it implants something in your brain that'll occasionally just go off when you'll be thinking about it. You know the one that really was really good in recent uh, years was Host. Um, yes, Host fucked me up <laughs> <laughs> just because it hit all of the beats of like isolation. Like, it was so well done as well that it did feel like you were just on these Zoom calls, like we are yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah. Shaky shaky camera. Yeah. that That's one of the best horror movies I've seen in recent years. Actually. Oh, for sure. I mean, we don't have time for me to go through my fucking letterbox of what I've watched recently, but there's some, there's some good fucking horror out there. Um, Glorious. I'd recommend Glorious. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It's not huge. Well, it is kind of fucked up, but... The poster features the phrase and the voice of J.K. Simmons. So you know it's good. Nice. Like That's all you need. But every film that has been sold to me as the most fucked up thing ever, with the exception of one, which we will not name, but I can briefly tell a story about that, has not been awful. Human yeah. Centipede is just a shit film. I think, and the difference between Human Centipede and the film that shall not be named is the production values i think because yes and also the fact that no one like the human centipede couldn't be a it, that wouldn't work hey the poster said it was 100% medically accurate <laughs> which which is like credit where it's due it is a god awful film but that is an incredible marketing thing oh without a doubt yeah um but yeah no the, i i get exactly what you mean the film the film that will not be named was very well done. Yeah. It was which makes it so much worse. Yeah. But I watched that with a friend of the podcast who is probably listening to this while going for a walk because I I I know his habits. <laughs> um we watched it. We sat in silence during the credits of that and then for a bit longer after after that finished. That was and then, was that the only time you've watched it? Yeah, because okay. I'm not I'm not doing that to myself again. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if you'd watched it and then like were like, oh, you have to watch this now and, and sat through it a second time. So I watched it with him. I, so I, it was me and my partner at the time had been told it was the most fucked up film ever. Yeah. And we were like, well, it's not though, is it? So, but we didn't want to watch it just the two of us because that's weird. Yeah. So we roped in, uh, roped in our friend. Oh. So uh, nice, nice three way. And then we watched it, and there it, it gets... I think we talked about this, the timeline of it before. You watch it, and some fucked up shit happens. It's like, God, you know what, that, that is a bit fucked up, but it's not the most fucked up thing I've seen. And then something else happens. It's like, oh, okay, they were clearly talking about that. You know what, this is this is very bad, isn't it? But it's not the most fucked up thing I've seen. And then something else happens. It's like, you know what, I think this is the most fucked up thing I've seen. And then something else happens. <laughs> and then something else, and then something else and then the film ends and you feel dirty and hate yourself and don't sleep properly or touch another human being for a while yeah 
that's 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 a fairly accurate assessment of of, yeah. of that film. It's often touted in like uh, so the other one I know I haven't seen this, but it's um is it Sallow, uh, the hundred and twenty yes. days of Sodom yeah. or whatever it is that that's kind of I've never I've seen like bits I haven't seen it I've read bits about it when like looking into the most fucked up films yeah. out there and that is one that that comes up quite frequently as well but um yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the any film so again the film that won't be named had a di- the director had to introduce it. Yeah, with a statement of how it was a metaphor for how the government rapes you from birth to death, mm. and that that really is all you need to know. If a film is that grotesque, you have to explain it, but you can't rely on the art alone. No, but I actually, one last what what sorry, carry on. I was going to say so I owned this on Blu-ray. Um, Past tense. Yeah, so I, I recently uh, got rid of whilst after I moved, kind of did a bit of a clearance, and uh, it's ended up at a, uh, a charity shop. <laughs> 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 so someone out there with a curious mind is going to uh, is going to get to uh, witness uh, witness. I, that. I like the idea that ah oh, uh, to to ruin a practical joke because there's no point in me keeping this to self I'm going to buy another copy and put it back on your shelf <laughs> and then like you won't tell me it's there you'll just think you made a mistake and you'll throw it away and then I'll buy another one <laughs> and just keep going and just, just so you think you know you'll end up like burning it drowning it poisoning it it'll be great yeah classic but yeah that film can well and truly fuck itself uh on that note, mm. before we dive into, uh, I keep saying murky waters. It's the only waters I apparently dive into, which is probably why my health isn't great. Are you always at Camp Crystal Lake, aren't you? Ah, true. Before we dive into the Camp Crystal Lake, that is history. Um, it should be your movie recommendation. Nobody asked for. It is. It is my recommendation. Graham is now looking at the ceiling and at his bookshelf. <laughs> trying to see if there's anything he could recommend. I have, I have, I have something up. I have something ready to go. Okay. Um, All right. Let's let, let, let's let's go for it. And just for you, given it's a history uh, history week, I'm going to recommend Master. No, of course I'm not. Oh. Of course I'm not. I'm going to recommend the film Three Hundred. Um, nice. Because it is a historical movie ish that's quite a lot of fun with friend of the pod. Zack Snyder directing. Yes. Talked about it at length on this podcast without you. Uh, did you? Yeah, it was on my, my the, the history episode. Oh, I you did gr- listen. You gr- I did genuinely listen gr- to that. I've just blocked it out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fair. Because you, you could argue it is very historically accurate. Yeah. Because it's a story being told by a character in the film. Yes, this is true. Yeah. But you could also argue it's Zack Snyder and he doesn't care. Which is also a completely valid argument that I'm fine with because you don't a historically accurate version of that film would arguably be boring. I would rather the lobster dudes with the sword hands. Well, and I yeah, I think that's what you need from a from a uh, yeah. from your historical movies as well. That's what Master and Commander was. If Master and Commander had lobster dudes, then maybe maybe we'd be having a different conversation and different recommendation right now. But as it stands, well, we're going to talk about three hundred instead. Well, that's quite funny you say that because the Marines were obvi- uh, often referred to as I will, lobsters I will, due to their red coat. Okay, I will so, end you. So will kick you into a hole and yell, "This is no." I'll just go with the "This is Sparta" thing. I think. Fair. 
That's fair. Whilst Action Eider applauds in the background. Yeah. So, you've recommended a historical film there. Well, historical, quote-unquote, yeah. film. Because this is coming up to Halloween for our listeners, maybe we should recommend a horror movie as well. So are there any out-and-out horror movies you can think of that our listeners should listen to? Good question. We don't do this enough, so I'm struggling. Um, But if push came to shove and you were to say to me, Graham, what is a horror movie we should watch in mid-October... I would say to you, let's go back to midsummer. <laughs> let's make it feel warm again. Let's make it feel light again. Let's make it feel stuffed in a bear again. I like it. Midsummer, of course. We love it. You love it. You love hearing about it. You love watching it. We love watching it. Florence Pugh's great. So's the guy from The Good Place. So's the bear. Watch it. Midsummer. Ariasta. Great. It's fucking cracking, mate. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So. Those are our film recommendations. We have actually told you what the point of this podcast is, is this introduction now. Gone through historical figures. We're fucking great. So all that's left is my first choice. It is. Over to you, Ian, if that is your real name. My first choice. We are going back to the uh, early 20th century for this one with the American aviator Amelia Earhart. So, Amelia Earhart has been fictionalised in American Horror Story before, and in Legends of Tomorrow, but both of those stories involve aliens, and my idea is not involving aliens, so I feel like it's fair game. Okay. So We'll we'll give you that. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, Amelia Earhart was, uh, like I said, an aviator who disappeared in 1937 while trying to fly around the globe. Uh, She was the first woman to fly across the Atlantic in 1928, which she did in 20 hours and 40 minutes, uh, landing near Burry Port in South Wales, where Dad and I used to regularly go to get rissoles, because rissoles aren't really a thing outside of West Wales, and I believe the North. Pork? Corned beef. I feel like like I've had them. They are, like, given that we, we just spent five minutes before recording this talking about Finder's Crispy Pancakes. Yeah. Like, Rissoles do feel like they're in the same kind of vein of, I wouldn't necessarily say they're good, but I could eat them forever. It's... Uh, oh, they're, they're kind of... They're not what I thought they were. There's something that begins with R that comes in small containers and you they're kind of like a pate thing, but I can't think of what they're called. Hmm. We will... We will have to think about it. But Rissoles were fucking yeah, they were they were great. It was just deep fried corned beef with breadcrumbs. But we would yeah. uh, we would we would often go to uh, Burryport to have them because it was just like a ten minute drive down the coast from my grandparents' house, uh, which you know is is always fun. So the main reason I've picked Amelia Earhart is because I wanted to pick somebody who. <laughs> this sounds so fucking callous. I wanted to pick someone who'd gone missing. Yeah. Because I like the idea of filling in this window of time with a horror movie, right? Yeah. So wasn't she? Wasn't the whole thing that she was supposedly eaten by those like um, the big crabs? Giant crabs. That is. So that is on my. So there's a couple of theories of what happened. So basically, they lost contact with her on the way to. I think it was called Howland Island, which was like a checkpoint in the Pacific uh, Ocean. 
So yeah. the theories range from she crashed and sunk, uh, she crashed on an island, uh, she crashed on an island that was eaten by crabs, she was captured and executed by the Japanese because she was a spy for FDR. Okay. And most impressively, uh, faked her own death and assumed the identity of Irene Bollum, a woman who maintained to her dying day that she was not Amelia Earhart. <laughs> Apparently, uh, a, a book was released and she sued She sued the publisher because it insisted that she was Amelia Earhart. She's like, I am... Like, can you imagine that? Just having to keep keep denying <laughs> that you are someone else. I, I mean, it happens to me all the time with the old uh, the Rupert Grint. Um, I mean, the amount of times I've been yelled at Ron Wees, not so much anymore in my um, in my advancing years, but uh, yeah. certainly as a teenager, because that was that was the obvious hilarious burn for anyone who was ginger during the early two thousands. Yeah, I mean, I get called anybody who has a beard. Talking of, uh, sorry, just to go back on the whole uh, people who went missing um, and books being written about them. I think I messaged this to you a while ago, but the guy who who the the japanese uh guy that went like thought the war was still on oh yeah 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 Werner herzog has written a novel about the uh about the whole thing of course he has <laughs> i think and you can check this afterwards go back in our text chat where i sent that to you and i reckon your exact response was of course he has <laughs> okay I I think you've just manifested it. August fourth um, uh, of August two thousand twenty-two. Werner Herzog has written a novel about that Japanese soldier who hid out in Indonesia, thinking the war was still going on. My response was Viagra Boys, Brixton, twenty-fifth of January. And then, of course, he has. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I clearly stand by my comment. Yeah. You're nothing if not consistent. Exactly. And really, consistency is the name of the game. So, yeah. So, Amelia Earhart, I mean, you could kind of talk about her for a kind of a, a very, very long time. Like, all of the achievements she has were a- absolutely fucking astounding anyway, let alone for the time. Rillets. Rillets is the thing that I was thinking about. I've been Googling nonstop trying to figure out what I was on about. Rillets. Rillets. Yeah, Rillets. How do you spell it? R-I-L-L-E-T-T-E-S. It's like confit pork. That looks like, it looks just like, is it like pork pate? Basically, yeah. But like, it's kind of like, it's like stringy bits of pork that's been cooked in, but it's amazing. That looks like what you feed your dog. (laughs) It's very good. Oh, I have done, I've I've done similar, uh, it comes in the jars with the butter on the top. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's like confit because it's like cooked. All right, in yeah, I've I've had that. It's quite nice. Yeah, it's not a fucking risol though. Oh, it's probably as far away from a risol as you could get. Pretty much, it's yeah. But good to know we've solved at least we've solved one mystery. Yeah, because our Amelia Earhart discussion. Prior to that, I couldn't tell my uh, my risol from my elbow. Does that work? No. Uh, it might work better. Your ass from your risol. No. No. Ass from your risol. There was a there was a hilarious wick quick. Fucking hell. There's a hilarious quip there somewhere. Yeah. Can't find it this afternoon, though. Anyway. No. No. Rillets, so, Rissoles, and Amelia Earhart. Go. As we as we 
were bound to talk about. So, like like I said, yeah, everything Amelia Earhart did is impressive anyway, let alone factoring the fact that this was in the 20s and 30s, right? Like, this was a couple of decades removed from flying for the first time. Like, it, it's, it is insane. What I like about this is it kind of opens up the idea for something I don't think we get a lot of in horror kind of... You're getting it more and more now, but, like, other cultures' legends and myth appearing in horror movies. Mm -hmm. So I am going to explore that via Amelia Earhart. So some examples of this. His house has the Apeth, which is a Dinka culture thing, which I think is Sudanese. Yep. Rare Exports uh, draws from something called, uh, I think it's a Holopoki. Which is oh, a Finnish myth. Oh, the Knees <laughs> oh. bent. Um, stretch. I can't actually bend my knees right now because my back is so <laughs> fucking painful. Uh, La Lorena, which is Mexican folklore. There's been a couple of horror movies about that. Uh, you get trolls and troll hunter. A djinn, which is uh, a genie. It's a, a Persian folklore appears in Under the Shadow. Uh, Wellington Paranormal, which is hugely underrated, explores a lot of kind of New Zealand folklore. You could you could do a very good horror movie called a gin and, and tonic, and it's just like set in a um, set in like a disused speakeasy. That feels more like an Edinburgh uh, one man Edinburgh show. Yeah, true. Where it is uh, it is set inside a lamp. Yeah, and it is just a genie slowly getting drunk, waiting for him to be found. I like it. And yeah. we'll see you in Edinburgh next August. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> um, Wales has giants, and one day I will write the Welsh-based horror movie of giants that I want to do, but I haven't done that yet. But what we're doing... So, because Amelia Earhart crashed in the Pacific, this is going to be drawing from Polynesian myth and legend. So the idea is that either she crashed and then finds this creature and horror ensues or the creature caused her to crash in the first place okay searching through polynesian folklore um one creature particularly jumped out there is a creature called a roku tomoheri which is a demon octopus nice so amelia Earhart is going to be battling a demon octopus because i can't think of any horror movies that deal with deal with that there's one where it's set on an abandoned ship and i think bill paxton or somebody who looks like bill paxton lands on it with a woman who was in every film in the 90s and it's these tentacles and then it turns out it's like a giant kraken bollocks guy hello it's me future ian i uh, thought i'd dive in and correct myself. So the film I was thinking of was 1998's Deep Rising, which didn't star Bill Paxton or anyone like that. It was a guy called Treat Williams, who, to be fair, kind of looks like Bill Paxton. Um, and the actress I couldn't remember was Famke Janssen, who you will recognise as being Famke Janssen. That was the only thing I could think of, really, that kind of fits the demon octopus genre so we're, we're trailblazing as far as i'm aware in in horror here which i i quite like obviously we would have to address it like do you think the better would you want like the rogue one ending of heroic sacrifice to save the day 
Or do we also then lean into the conspiracy theory side of it, where she does... She saves the day, uh, or survives, and then does fake her own death and becomes this random woman. Yeah, I think... I, I like the latter, and I like the fact there's there needs to be something in there that the reason that she can never reveal her true identity is that mm. um, it would cause the Kraken thing to come back. Like that's 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 kind of like a a pact she's made um, with the with the Kraken gods. Yeah. So I so we'll frame it. We're gonna go for the Titanic framing device. Yeah. So it'll be an elderly Amelia Earhart telling the story of this demon octopus. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't, to be honest, I couldn't find a lot about this demon octopus. There's not an awful lot out there. But it just seems like such like a weirdly unique horror monster that I think you could have a fucking whale of a time with it. Well, no, octopus an octopus of a time. time. But yeah, I, I see it as she... Plane crashes. We could even kind of go a bit from Dustal Dawny with it. Like it'll start off as if it's a castaway film. Yeah. And then Demon Octopus turns up and shit goes down. Yeah. I'm now envisioning um Castaway but with vampires. Oh fuck me, that's a good idea. <laughs> but yeah, so that that is my first choice. It is Amelia Earhart, Aviator, and Slayer of Demon Octopi. Demon Octopi. It's actually not Octopi isn't actually the um plural. Like, everyone thinks it's Octopi, but it's not. It's Octopuses. Amelia Earhart, American aviator and slayer of demon octopuses. My first choice is... So it's set in... Uh, we're not 100% sure when this guy was born, but it's he was born between 429 and 423 BC. And um, so we're going way, way back. And we are utilising my philosophy and ethics A-level. Hey! <laughs> um, and my half... Uh, actually, no. Did you have to do, during your first year of uni, like half a... In your first year, half of it away from your main subject as well? Uh, we had to... Yeah, we had to make up credits. Yeah, we had like 60 credits in something else. So I did yeah. uh, philosophy... Uh, for my first year because it was easy because I'd done it all before I level. <laughs> so anyway, the the philosopher in question we're gonna um we're gonna have as our sort of antagonist in the movie is going to be none other than the homeboy that is Plato. Are you ready for a running joke that is going to really start to annoy you? Go on. Why? <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> um. The reason why is because um, Plato had uh, had a lot of interesting things to say, and we won't go into all of them. But one of his most famous kind of um, I was going to try. I'm trying to use a word that is an allegory, but it is an allegory. So we'll say one of his most famous allegories was the allegory of the cave. Now um, I don't know. Are you, are you familiar with the allegory of the cave? Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I am not familiar of the allegory of the cave. Okay, so basically, Plato was one of those guys that liked to think a lot about stuff, and he had this famous allegory of the cave where he basically said that you have to think of everyone who isn't a philosopher or isn't that way inclined to thinking as a group of people who have lived their lives chained to the wall of a cave, and they face the blank wall, 
and there is a fire behind them and what they see is just the shadows of the fire so that's not actual reality right that's just kind of what they've been told to believe based by the people who are making the shadows that's a representation of the real world it's not the actual real world okay so it's what we perceive through our senses but actually the real things and the real things that we can only perceive through reason are all outside the cave so these are like the higher levels right so you're kind of essentially saying the plebs are chained to the cave us philosophers experience reason experience maths all of these natural sciences and therefore in order to truly be free you need to kind of experience all of that rather than just the the shadows against the wall of the cave so what you're saying is plato was the original gatekeeper yeah basically uh yeah uh everything that you're seeing is just shadows on the wall (laughs) what i see is the real thing guys so my my idea here is plato is gonna take um plato is gonna be a uh a bc jigsaw (laughs) So Saw BC Saw, is what we're, Saw BC. we're going for. Well, okay. I think I'm just going to call the movie Allegory, I think. I like it. That is the fancy kind of bollocks I could get behind. Yeah. Um, so basically... Bollocks, bollocks again there. <laughs> bollocks. There's bollocks everywhere. <laughs> bollocks in the cave. It's actually just the the shadow of your bollocks in the cave. Yeah, that's all All, all I can see is the shadow of... Is it <laughs> bollocks or bollockai? <laughs> I think Bollockai was in Rogue One, actually. Um, <laughs> Bollockses. Uh, so, yeah. So, the idea of this horror movie is it kind of starts out and Plato is kind of, you know, he's pontificating, um, which might have been hard because the Pope wasn't around back in before Christ's times. <laughs> so, he was pontificating without even knowing it to his followers and he's kind of saying about his idea of the cave and blah, blah, blah. And this is like his big thing, right? This is this is Plato's like fucking... It's, it's his Facebook, right? And no one's listening to him about the cave. He's like, everyone's like, Plato, shut up, mate. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Have better ideas, you bellend. Um, you are the only person who's ever ever used that string of words together <laughs> i hope so and plato's getting more and more frustrated right he's he's saying to socrates oh these people are just absolute morons they won't listen to my cave idea this is how we need to think of reality and how these people are gonna you know realize that there's more to life than the shadows on the wall anyway Plato's getting more and more frustrated. He's gone out again and he's like, right, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to show these motherfuckers the cave. Um, So anyway, he drugs everyone in ancient Greece and changed them to a wall in a cave and basically sets his allegory in motion and decides that the only people he will free are those who he determines have achieved true enlightenment through a series of tasks um, that basically they will need to... Essentially, they need to come around to Plato's way of thinking. Um, and uh, only the ones that truly, that he deems truly worthy uh, of of kind of perceiving these uh, higher levels of reality will escape. Those who don't stay chained to the wall forever. So this, this is a mix between Saw and that film where Samuel L. Jackson chains Christina Ritchie to a radiator. <laughs> basically, Black Snake Moan. <laughs> That's the one, yes. 
cracking soundtrack, but it's an uncomfortable film. It's very strange, isn't it? Yeah, because you get halfway through and you realise you're supposed to be on the side of Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 this is, I don't care what his intentions were. He has chained a woman to a radiator. A woman who, by all accounts, is at least meant to be a teenager, I think. As far as, what I can remember is she is promiscuous. Yeah. And that's it, isn't it? As that's basically yeah, young and promiscuous. Yeah, yeah. And Samuel Jackson changes to a radiator, and he is the good guy, saving the moral fiber. Seriously though, I would, I, I probably wouldn't recommend the film because it is problematic. But the soundtrack, fucking listen to that. Stacker Lee is a very good song. Stacker Lee. It also has Justin Timberlake in it, which I don't remember. Fuck off. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's uh, that's a new one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the idea. We're going um, pre-Jesus saw. Ah, pre-Jesus saw. Ancient Greek saw. I like it. As Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I haven't done research on this. Mm. Um, don't think this film has been done. I'm, I'm assuming not. It, it feels like it hits quite the niche audience. <laughs> yeah, because like, you got a feel for Plato, because usually it's Socrates who rocks up in things. Yeah. What what's what Socrates rocked up in recently? Uh, Socrates has rocked up in uh, Bill and Ted. Oh yeah. Um, Plato. Okay. So I just did a quick like Plato like Plato in movies yeah. thing. Uh, Plato has an IMDb page. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. So he hasn't directed anything. He's down as an actor. That feels. He's down as an actor for the religious experience of Philip K. Dick, a short from 1990. I'm going to say that's not actually him. I, I don't think so, no. He's himself in an episode of The Unexplained with William Shatner. He's down as... Yeah, he's predominantly a writer. He did a lot of... Well, actually, weirdly, he didn't do a lot of writing because they didn't actually write anything down back then. It was all oral. Yeah. Well, they definitely weren't doing screenplays. No. No. No, they were doing more um, more shadow plays. So, uh, Plato is credited as the writer for a documentary in 2006 called... The Allegory of the Cave. Nice. 2006, the same year Black Snake Moan came out. Oh, is it a coincidence? Who knows? Uh, so would we, I'm assuming the ending would be, it turns out what we've been watching is just shadows on a wall? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, J.K. Simmons is playing Plato. Oh, sold. Done. That, you should have just left it that. <laughs> Next choice. Uh, and this is kind of a good one, I think, to move on to, because similar to your... <laughs> quasi-saw film. This is actually going to be a historical entry in a pre-existing franchise. Okay. So I am talking about Scott of the Antarctic, um, the incredibly named Captain Robert Vulcan Scott, who led the Terra Nova expedition, which sounds like something from Star Trek, in 1910, seeking, among other things, to be the first person to reach the South Pole. Rather frustratingly for them, they reached the South Pole to find they'd been beaten by uh, a Norwegian team led by Roald Amundsen by a month. Norway. Hey. Hey. That was... Classic. Uh, and I'm assuming then the uh, historical... Uh, this is like a... Scott the Antarctic, so... Like, does it fall into Scott Pilgrim canon, maybe? Uh, so that was one option, Yeah, going uh, Scott of the Antarctic versus the world. Uh, but we're not 
doing that. So instead, so the expedition obviously famously entered tragically. So him and his team of Edward Wilson, Lawrence Oates, Henry Bowers, and Edgar Evans all ended up succumbing to frostbite, various injuries, and exposure. Was the, was the exposure indecent? It, uh, a very indecent and cold exposure. Ah, the worst kind. The the last entry in his diary uh, was, for God's sake, look after our people. Which is all very dramatic, don't get me wrong. It is, it's fascinating to read into. It's one of those... It, this, it sounds mean, but it's one of those things that's overshadowed by the tragedy of it. There was a lot of actual like geological scientific things they ended up finding through this expedition. Mm-hmm. So apart from the fact it didn't end successfully, there were a lot of successes from it. There's now a whole like revisionist thing of whether all of this could have been like was this kind of a man-made error or could it have been salvaged? However, for this it is not going to be a man-made error because my Scott of the Antarctic movie is going to be a prequel to the thing. Lovely. So, for God's sake, look after our people is going to be directly because they have encountered these, uh, or encountered this uh, alien. Okay, where's the alien hanging out? Because obviously in the thing, he's crash-landed and he's near the Arctic Research Station and stuff, whereas in this, they're moving along, I imagine. So where's uh, where's he kind of chilling? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 because it's I, yeah, they're cold in the Arctic or Antarctic. Yeah, so like obviously we, we wouldn't. There's going to be no scientific research centers that aren't just kind of tents. Yeah, Antarctica also doesn't have an indigenous population. No, which um, is obvious when you think about it. What about but, the walruses? Uh, just the war. So it's going to end up being a big showdown between an army of walruses, voiced by J.K. Simmons, uh, fighting the thing. So no, it's going to be kind of uh, it's going to be the thing kind of pursuing them as they're trying to escape, basically. Okay. So we say, is it going to be like in the guise of like a polar bear with eight heads? Yeah. So, so something something like that. So it's going to be this is kind of going to be closer to like alien kind of thing. Yeah. So instead of diving into... Like, obviously, you'll have, like, the assimilation side of things as you do with the thing. But the main horror is going to be from them trying to outrun and escape this creature that is pursuing them. Okay. So it will be a lot of, you know, a lot of desolate wastes, canyons, that kind of thing. I think it would work. Uh, Mainly, I think it will work because we've already had... Or, I mean, this year we've had proof that period piece versions of successful science fiction movies can work because Prey is fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, have you seen it yet? I haven't yet. I, I've renewed my Disney Plus, though, so I will, I will ah, guess all good. It. How can you imagine five years ago someone telling you there's going to be a new Predator film coming out set amongst a Native American tribe, and the only way to watch it is going to be on Disney+, Plus, no. on a Disney streaming service. Absolutely not. I was listening to... Did you Have you heard that there's this whole big thing with, um, uh, like, a battle between Disney and the French, like, distribution of movies? I don't know if, it's, if they have, like, a specific board or something. Mm. But basically, in France, you have a... Um, uh, in order to 
distribute cinema you have to you have to pay into a pot basically yeah. to ensure that and that money goes back out to like funding french cinema so like the grassroots yeah. stuff and art house and all that kind of thing and it's all to do with distribution companies that pay into that in order and they're kind of um repaid by having their releases set out quicker on like streaming platforms etc oh interesting so disney previously didn't care because they were just making these things but they didn't have a they weren't a broadcaster so mm. the broadcaster is the one that needs to pay into it but now because they're a broadcaster they are having like these penalties put in place that they have to have like longer time between it's in theaters versus when they can put it out on the uh, streaming service as a broadcaster and they don't want to pay this extra money into the French film thing. So there's this whole thing about like Disney are threatening to withhold big releases in France, like Wakanda forever and things like that. And the French film board or whoever they are are like standing strong and it's, yeah, it's getting, um, interestingly out of control interesting i like that but that's definitely going to be a documentary series starring like benedict cumberbatch or something soon isn't it yeah and probably on like disney plus because you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> we but control fr- the narrative it won't be released in front no but yeah it's an idiot it, it, i'd never heard of it before but like the whole thing of utilizing the money from uh distributors and broadcasters to then feed into developing cinema in that country i think is a really I mean, fair play to the French. Yeah, fair play. Well, my Scott of the Antarctic, the Thing prequel, uh, won't be a Disney Plus thing then. This will be uh, produced by somebody willing to feed into French independent cinema. (laughs) What you're saying is it won't be the Thing. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I I think I, I just really like this idea. Like, obviously anyone who's listened to more than one episode of this podcast knows that we love Midsummer and we love the thing. That's yeah. kind of our our bag. Prey, I think, really worked. Um, and I really like the idea of taking something that you're familiar with and putting it into a setting that you necess- aren't necessarily familiar with. Yeah. Um, which is a fun thing to say, given that the thing is set in the Antarctic anyway, right? But seeing it from how uh, they survived here a hundred years before the other film. I think kind of adds an interesting edge to it. And it also does what I like with prequels and sequels, where it's not just a re- it's not just a remake of the thing set in a different time. It is yeah. going with a slight a different idea of it, of this kind of idea of uh they're trying to escape from it. Well it also throws up some interesting things as well, no pun intended. Hey. But um That'll be that'll be the title. <laughs> interesting things. But it throws up uh, the origin of the thing that was at yeah. least 100 years prior to the movie. Yeah. But also, we know that the thing got to Earth on a crashed spaceship because we yeah. see it in the thing. Therefore, it means 100 years ago, there were aliens with that technology. And that could open up a whole whole yeah. other kind of uh, universe of um, potential spin-offs etc yeah and i mean and there's there's kind of a lot of things you could do i mean you <laughs> could even <Nice>. yeah <laughs> um i i know like in the thing canon that spaceship had been there for fucking ages yeah but there's nothing stopping this doesn't necessarily have to be the same thing from the thing yeah um so we could even see the spaceship a spaceship you know we could see a spaceship crashing that has come here to see what happened to the other one right yeah so there's, I, I just think there's a lot of very interesting things you could do, and obviously, nice. given 
given I have pushed this episode idea, I like historical shit. So, you know, I like it. Who did you who do you think would win in a fight between the thing from the thing, the thing from Fantastic Four, and Thing One and Thing Two from Cat and the Hat? Um You would think the thing won, but it turns out it's actually the thing. Right. So I think the thing will assimilate everyone. <laughs> yeah. Quite quickly. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah. One one thing to mention. What about okay? Swamp Thing? Swamp Thing That's it that's an interesting one. Swamp Swamp Thing is a very underrated comic book character that I think more people need to be into. But yeah, I, I may Swamp Thing I think could put up a good fight. Yeah. But I still I still think the thing is going to assimilate everyone. The thing from the thing, not the thing the from thing Fantastic Four. Not the th- yeah. So I think the, the 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 thing the thing will beat the other the things. Yeah. And things and assorted things. And thing one and thing two. Yeah. And featuring cousin it. <laughs> but yeah, it would have a similar vibe to um. So there's an anthology series called The Terror. Yeah. And season one of it is set in the Arctic with. Oh, doesn't it have all of the um. The what do you call it? So I'm going to need more than that. Uh, Gleasons. I. It might have a Gleason in. Um, it's got Jared Harrison. Um, I haven't seen season two yet because season two was set in, um, Japanese internment camps. Oh. Um, but the first one, yeah, it set them trying to find the North West Passage, and it is very, very interesting. Um, Kieran Hines is in it. What's it called again? The Terror. Uh, Kieran Hines is in it. Jared Harris is in it. Tobias Menzies, who you'll recognise as that guy from Game of Thrones. No, not that one. No, not that one. No, no. Oh, fuck it. Just Google him. And a couple of other people you'd kind of recognise from various bits and bobs. That currently, I do not believe there is a Gleason in it. No, there isn't. I am confusing my Gleasons with my. That other fella that's in it. And I can't think of his name. Jared Jared Harris looks like he could be a Gleason. Yeah, that's exactly who I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Honor- Brendan Gleason Brenda Gleason's in Joker too? Honorary Gleason, Jared Harris. Yeah. He's the the diplomatic bridge between them and the Skarsgards, the two great acting dynasties of our day. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh, I think it would work. I think it would be awesome, and we need a thing sequel, which is actually or a thing prequel, which is actually worth watching. My next choice takes us back to the early eighteen hundreds, and it takes us to, uh, I guess, similar to um, your uh, your first choice. We're in somewhere a little tropical. We're actually in the Pacific Ocean. And this movie is going to be called Galapagos. And the reason it's going to be called Galapagos is because we have our horror our horror historical figure for for this movie is going to be the father of evolution himself, Charles David Darwin. <laughs> Charles Darwin. I like it. You know what film um, mentions Charles Darwin and it also has prominent scenes set in the Galapagos Islands? Go on. Master and Commander, far side of the world. Do you, do you want to do you want to continue with this as a podcast? 
I would like to continue with this podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously Charles Darwin. He is the um, the father of evolution. He has he kind of discovered, I guess, the theory of evolution and the whole way that that was that he kind of decided upon this kind of line of thinking was from studying uh, animals in the Galapagos Islands, how they differentiated from each other, particularly finches. So he noticed like different beak shapes depending on the the type of terrain that they were in or the type of uh, food they ate. This is all well and good, but in my version of, um, of Charles Darwin's time in the Galapagos, he spends time there and he becomes obsessed with the idea of evolution, but he's really frustrated by the fact that it takes millions of years for these evolutionary patterns to take hold and in his mind evolution is what is needed for us to advance as a society is to become the best humans that we can be so he gets home from the galapagos and he's right that he's put he's put all of his thoughts down on paper he's submitted it to all the scientific journals but whilst that's going on he, he's he's fucking a giant turtle. <laughs> he, <laughs> I can't say one way or the other. <laughs> he was good friends with that woman that whacked off a dolphin, though. Um, <laughs> oh God, yeah. Let's not let's not go down. <laughs> no, <laughs> that hole again. <laughs> the blowhole. So um, yeah. Anyway, he's he's submitted everything. He's like right. He's just obsessed with this idea that humans can be better. So. He goes out, kidnaps a bunch of people, puts them in his basement and starts trying to force evolution upon them in a series of terrifying experiments that end up with like weird beak finch people um, because that was his main inspiration. That's his starting point. So it's um, he's kind of doing it's a weird kind of um, experimental eugenics um it's all all kinds of messed up. But he's basically playing around with the genetic code of everyone to speed up evolution in a way that he feels will benefit humanity in the long run. But ultimately, it is flawed and everyone dies. So more, more Frankenstein than Tusk? Yes, I'd say so. Yeah, so it's not, it's not Beak. No, it's, it's not. It's just him making, making people into finches. Yeah, I think finches is where he starts just because that's where he, you know, he... Um, yeah, it's funny because I used to call you Finch. Yeah, yes, you did. Yep, <laughs> way way back, back in the days before the beard, pre beard. Um... Basic, basically, loyal listener. When I was uh, but a mere boy in secondary school, without my beard, I looked like Finch from American Pie. Yeah, I do think That's... there was a good two years I probably only ever referred to you as Finch. Oh, more than that. Do you think it was a long time you only refused me as Finch? <laughs> As did everyone else. So yeah, he starts with that because that's you know where he he learnt the most from. But you know by the end of it, we've got we've got people that are half people, half turtle, and and all sorts. But yeah, it's all in the he's he has this this mentality that he's doing it for the greater good, which I think makes it all the more twisted, right? Because yeah, it's not out of an evil place; it's out of a place of thinking that he's going to better humanity. So. This is a horror version of that episode of The Mighty Boosh where they're splicing animals together into animal-human hybrids. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Is there bacon? <laughs> and then I would say that the way he's foiled by the end, so I don't know how much you know about the whole... There's, there's a theory that um, Darwin maybe stole some of his ideas from 
Alfred Wallace. So there's like disputed of the, the, the true father of evolution or who came up with the theory. So I think the 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 person who kind of foils this whole plan ends up being Alfred Wallace. And it's kind of going to be like, I'm envisaging Charles Darwin as kind of like a Buffalo Bill character from, yeah. from Silence of the Lambs. And Wallace is like coming around to his house to kind of confront him. He's like, dude, you stole my idea. Why are you sending all this stuff off? He comes in and like, you know, like in Silence of the Lambs, you've got all of the, um, all of like clothes made out of the flesh and everything. Yeah. He just kind of walks in and there's like big tubes of half human, half finch hybrids and, and things. And yeah, he puts the lotion in the bucket and all good. So you're going to get uh, a scene where Charles Darwin sticks his dick between his legs and dances to Goodnight Horses. That is a promise I can make you. Yeah. That's Goodbye Horses. Goodbye Horses, yeah. Goodbye Horses. It's a great song. It's a great... I can't listen to it, though. (laughs) There are some songs that have been ruined by the accompanying mental image. Yeah, true. And that, that is one of them. Yeah. There's also a Gary Neiman song that you can only think about Alan Partridge dancing around. To. Oh, in the leather um, leather undies. Yeah. Yeah. And there's... Um, did you ever watch the uh, Don't Fuck With Cats? Yeah. There's the song that was playing in that. Is it... Um, is it You Spin Me Round or something? Maybe. New Order. Oh, True Faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good song. It is, but all it reminds that's, that's me... That's my take on it. Is the the um yeah because it's playing in the background when he uses the ice pick on that dude. Yeah, fucking hell, that was a weird. That documentary escalated. Oh, um, I mean, he, it's it is messed up. I mean, my favorite uh my favorite documentary that escalates will forever be tickled. I don't think I've seen tickled. Tickled is it stars David Farrier. Competitive endurance tickling. Yeah, don't read any more about it. Okay. Um, so it's David Farrier who could only really be accurately be described as the New Zealand Louis Theroux. Right. And you think the documentary is on one thing and it just keeps escalating and escalating throughout. Oh, the thing, he's the is he's the dark tourist guy, isn't he? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um also did a TV series with Reese Darby called Short Poppies, which was very funny and deserved to be more successful over here. But yeah, I like the idea of Darwin. Evolution as a title, unfortunately, has been taken. So I do like Galapagos. Yeah, yeah. This is the, these mental images aren't going to leave me anytime soon. <laughs> you will, you will now be a finch tied to a cave. Yeah, that we are all shadows. Yeah, that's that's the uh, supervillain duo we never knew we needed: Plato and Darwin. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Avengers of their time. Yeah, well, I mean, they they did span a few a few. Uh, well, no, Plato's. Uh... Plato was in a documentary this oh, year. Oh, true. Plato is yeah. is timeless. Final choice. Um, so this is a historical figure who kind of like, I'm slightly cheating because kind of the plot of what this film would be has been like the cold open for a Supernatural episode. I still maintain Supernatural is... Uh, I, I've talked most va- vaguely Vaguely at length isn't a thing. That's not something that makes sense well, at all. I mean, I, you could talk about something vaguely at length. It would just, I guess it becomes more and more vague as you get on and maybe you're not talking well, about it anymore. 
That's just politics, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, this recording, this episode has now outlasted uh, a prime minister. Yeah, the what you're listening to now is under a different prime minister to the first part of the podcast because we had to. Yay! We had to uh, work over a couple of days, and apparently uh, that's how long these people last. Yeah, we were we were contemplating doing uh, an emergency episode of people we would have preferred to have been prime minister but just thinking about it made me really sad yeah and also i think there'd be some maybe some uh, quite close to the line takes because there's a lot of people i'd prefer as prime minister even though they're pieces of shit too yeah yeah let's not let's i mean i, I like to feel our target audience is quite similar to us in terms of outlook but you know you don't want to uh merge politics oh. too much into fun and quirkiness. Yeah, I hope they are similar to us in terms of outlook. I wouldn't want them using Lotus Notes. There's <laughs> a, a bit of a uh, email client humour for you there. Classic. God, th- this is the kind of shit people listen yeah. to us for. So, my, uh, my final choice, I am doing a horror movie based on Robert Johnson. So... Robert Johnson was a blues musician who was born in 1911. Um, he's one of the earliest members of the 27 Club. Okay. And legend has it that he took his guitar to a crossroads where he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for musical greatness. Is there any, um, obviously, different instrument, but is there any relation to the um, Devil Went Down to Georgia song and lyrics here? Is there, is there an inspiration or are these two... Is 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 Satan giving out musical powers, or actually no, he didn't give out musical powers, did he? To uh, he um, he he had a fiddle off. Well, um, I mean, the my favorite uh, <laughs> devil dueling song is "Titties and Beer" by Frank Zappa. Titties and Beer is very more good. Of a, more more of a modern take on the devil went down to Georgia, um, but Primus do an incredible cover of that. Titties and Beer has the bit when he's like. You don't really know pure evil, and then it's like I've been signed to Warner Brother for eight fucking years. Yeah, <laughs> Yay! Uh, I'd say the video to tribute is is I guess a, a similar take as well. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it's so I, I'm not sure if this is where kind of all of the crossroad stuff started. Yeah. Um, or if that was just kind of a popular folklore, like generic folklore at the time. Kind of thing. Corn have also covered the devil went down to Georgia. Have they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd watch. That. I'd listen. It's to that. quite good. It's quite good. Interesting. But yeah, so like it, it, this legend might have been around before, but Robert Johnson is kind of the main. He is the famous guy, kind of attributed to it. You might. He's the kind of guy. He's more influential than you would have heard a lot of people who wouldn't be a thing without him, rather than have heard a lot of stuff he did. Right. He did, however, write Sweet Home Chicago. Okay. So that is was originally a Robert Johnson song. But people like Chuck Berry, Bob Dylan, Robert Plant, Keith Richards, Eric Clapton have all said, without Robert Johnson, you wouldn't have them, basically. So he is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Interesting as well that, um, you know, Johnson selling their soul to Satan has been around for some time. Nice. I uh, you said that as I was drinking and I nearly drowned. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But so the the plot of this film is basically going to be so 
Robert Johnson has a song called Hellhound on My Trail and obviously has a lot of songs about crossroads and things. So this film is going to be him. Uh, oh, did, know, did, did he do? Did he, he write the um, Blazing Squad song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Blazing Squad famously covered Robert Johnson, the original boy band member. Uh, what else did Blazing Squad do apart from <laughs> fuck knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they've been on some reality TV stuff. Yeah. Also inspired that Britney Spears movie. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. That's really the end of crossroad related jokes I could think of. Yeah, I was going to think of some more, but I think we've really come to a metaphorical crossroads here, and I think we should we should <laughs> take the decision to carry on. Yeah, it would it wouldn't be the same if he he sold his soul to a devil in a cul-de-sac. No, no, devil in a cul-de-sac sounds like a true crime podcast. Yeah, I've just started listening to a wild true crime podcast. It's called oh. Hoaxed. Hoaxed. Yeah, it's about okay. there's basically there were you know like the whole Pizzagate stuff. Mm. There was something very similar that happened in Hampstead, in North London. I. Yeah, I, that, that's not why I looked confused. <laughs> you just, um, I just thought you didn't know where Hampstead was. <laughs> oh, Hampstead! <laughs> yeah, it's okay. it's crazy. I, I'm only a couple of episodes in. It was um, it was recommended in a, a magazine I was reading, and they talk about um, like people flying over from the US to like confront these people who obviously were completely innocent, had hadn't got any dealings with these like baby eating cults and things that they'd been accused of it's insane it got picked up by info wars and all of those kind of things but yeah oh in info wars who are down at three trillion dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like i i mean it sounds weird that this is a phrase you could say but i feel like we're starting to enter the era of repercussions <laughs> yeah like we seem to have gone through like a period of time where you could say whatever the fuck you wanted and people would listen and no one really cared about the consequences of it. And that seems to have taken a little bit of a turn now. It goes too far. It goes too far sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But I think the majority of what people... Well, this has gone far too political for something which is about me talking about <laughs> devil dogs. A lot of what people would think is cancel culture, I just think is consequences to shit yeah it's an interesting i mean yeah there's definitely an there's definitely an area which is guys calm down sit down think about it and we'll we'll come back but some of it is just no no you're 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 free to say what you want but there are consequences (laughs) to saying what you want yeah i i think it's it's delicate balance as well from like the uh, if you take the john ronson line of the sort of save and public shame stuff as well where and people being bombarded is maybe yeah. not the right way of doing things. But I think that, yeah, you're right. There is definitely a, and it's happened. I think the problem that we had in this country is that it became so commonplace on like well, politics as a start, right? Like with Nigel Farage and all of that kind of stuff, people were absolutely saying whatever they wanted with no repercussions. Yeah. Uh, Talking on their radio shows about how they've been canceled. Yeah. I mean, this is, that's the, that's the weird thing. I th- I I think um I mean cancel culture in itself is a bit of a misnomer I think. I think it's um in both directions. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Any- anyway. Satan. Satan. So <laughs> the plot of this movie <laughs> is going to be canceling Satan people. Yeah, Robert Johnson's being cancelled 
Um, no, so Robert Johnson, like the the time has elapsed. He's had his musical greatness, and Satan has set his hellhounds out to retrieve Robert Johnson's soul. That is the plot of a horror movie. I would a hundred percent watch. Yeah. This also brings us on to uh, a, a small discussion that I would like to do an episode on, but speaking of getting cancelled, I don't know how top three movie Satans would go down on uh, algorithms or watch lists or anything. So, yeah. top three movie devils. Who are your favourite movie Satans? Um, oh, that's a good question. Uh... I, I have mine prepped, if you want to think. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a think. So... Top 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 three. Uh, Tim Curry in Legend. Okay. Because it's Tim Curry. Yeah. Liz Hurley in Bedazzled. Yes, that was good. And uh, Peter Stormare in Constantine. So Peter Stormare, the Satan who passive aggressively cured lung cancer. Yeah. But I thought I thought he was fucking incredible. I have I have a lot of time for Peter Stormare. Apart from in that awful film that we watched. Um, but even that, Tokarev. he was fun. He was fun in Tokarev. <laughs> If you want to hear more about us talking about the Nicolas Cage film Tokarev, please listen to the Cage Rage podcast. Cage podcast. Oh, what is that? What is that? What is it? Cage podcast. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Oh, no, my eyes! My eyes! Ah! Ah! Cage podcast. Uh, please do. I'm going to go with... Um... Al Pacino, there was Advocate. Oh, nice, nice. Another Satan opposite Keanu Reeves. Yep. Is it Dave Grohl and Pick a Destiny? Or is that... Yes. Is? I know he's yes. obviously the one in the, the... Yeah, so we'll go Dave Grohl and Pick a Destiny. And um, I'm going to go with... Oh God, what's his name? What's his name? Harvey Keitel in Little Nicky. Oh, nice. And uh, honourable mention to the devil from South Park. My favourite singing Satan, at least, I think. D- Dave Grohl, obviously, in tribute. Yeah. Fair play. But up there is... It is my go-to drunk, croony musical song. You see, D- Dave Grohl doesn't do a huge amount of singing as Satan, though, does he? He's more um, more kind of talking. A visual representation of the story. And then I he guess. does the... I can't make the noise. Yes. That was closer to uh, the beginning of Skeletor vs. Beastman. <laughs> that song, that song always oh. catches me off guard. Ah, oh, Skeletor! <laughs> I used to know all the words. Like I don't know fucking anything of it now, and I think I think that is growing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like I just think this would, it would work. It could be as like over the top as you want it to be so you kind of have two options you can kind of go for like the constantine supernatural style where it's a bit more kind of action horrory yeah and he's fighting off waves of these fucking hellhounds or you can go a proper even borderline psychological horror where you know you're not sure if it actually is something hunting him or if he's you know, going paranoid and insane. Kind of like a son of Sam kind, kind of. of yeah, it's a cool, yeah, very son of Sammy. But it also means we get a hellhound, and I love kind of creature design in horror movies as well. It means we get a Satan, and I love Satan in films. In films, sure, he's a nice stand-up guy, but that's <laughs> let's not also talk about religion. 
Aids was getting into muddy waters. He was. Oh, yeah. He was a very good blues musician. <laughs> hey! I can always bring it back round, Ian. Always back round. Always back round. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll have we'll have like a film of each prominent blues musician as a horror movie. So we'll get a Muddy Waters one, a Howling Wolf one. We'll have a modern... De- oh, Tom Waits played the devil in um, Dr. Parnassus. Yeah. I still haven't seen that. Oh, it, it's good. I think. It's, that's kind of like... Uh, the majority of Terry Gilliam films seem to be you you can describe as I it's good yeah but it might be shit like it's either a masterpiece or it's just weird for the sake of weird yeah gone gone yeah Don Quixote was um definitely fell into that camp yeah was Eddie a sort there yeah yeah sat That's behind one of the us. last things we did before lockdown yeah. yeah. Kind yeah. of like sauntered in just after everyone had sat down and then buggered off just before the q and A. I I think. Yeah, I went to, um, fun anecdote, I went to the toilet and came back to my seat past Terry Gilliam and Jonathan Price waiting to come in for their Q&A. Oh yeah, and weren't you like frantically waving at me from one, one side of the bar yes. to catch my attention? Yes. Yeah. I recently uh, went to the toilet next to Baldrick. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. Did he have a cunning plan? No, he was he was digging for fossils. Ah. Oh, nice. I like it. I like it. Oh, um, did I tell you that my fiance thought Dwayne Johnson had been cast as Black Adder? Huh? Oh, Black Adder! <laughs> I was like, yeah, he was cast as Black Adder. I did not hear you say Black Adder. It took, <laughs> that took yeah. me a beat. <laughs> like she so she 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 misheard and then immediately realized she'd misheard but in that fraction of a second the mental images were too much for me to fucking bear like I, a remake of blackadder starring the rock i'd i'd be all over it oh yeah but yeah so yeah robert robert johnson crossroads movie it it there is so much kind of already there to be explored i think there's an i I would personally, I think, prefer to go less kind of action horror-y and more just straight up, like, monster movie. Yeah. So he is just trying to escape these hellhounds. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw Tom Waits back in as the devil as well. He feels suitably uh, suitably creepy for the role. Um, and yeah, it just, just works. And the soundtrack would be fucking great as well. Yeah. Yeah, you could get a good metal soundtrack going there, I reckon. Yeah. I will, if if we're casting, I want to see Lakeith Stanfield do more horror movies. Okay. So I would I would chuck him in. I'm here for it. Or maybe maybe Donald Glover has Donald Glover done horror? Um, no, I don't think so. Other other than the uh, the Halloween specials of Community. Other than those. We've covered a lot of different kind of horror genres to a degree. I think one we've neglected thus far is the much explored horror genre that is the the zombie movie. And I think that there's there's been a you know there's a lot of interesting takes out there. We obviously spoke we've spoken at length about one of our our combined favourites, which I would say is One Cut of the Dead. Mm-hmm. You've got the Dawn of the Dead movies. The original and the remake are quite like both. You could argue to a degree the Evil Dead movies. They don't take these zombies, they're deadites, but you know, same same difference, shall we say. But there's a there's a good 
good lot of uh, zombie movies out there. What there haven't been, to my knowledge, is any zombie movies set in the Italian Renaissance. I do like I, I do like the idea of a period zombie movie. Yeah, and my idea here is that we're going to set the uh, the zombie movie in Florence in the uh, time of the Renaissance. We're going to be a bit as as you can do with um, with uh, horror movies and um, things that are you know that, that we're going to take some artistic license, shall we say, around dates and timings because. The main reason is I want to call the movie Black Death. And the reason I want to call the movie Black Death is because there's a lot of theories that the Italian Renaissance was born out of a result of the, the Black Death happening. The slight issue is is the historical figure that I want to include is Leonardo da Vinci. He's going to be our main protagonist. Um, he was born about 100 years or so after Black Death. So we're going to, you know, we're, we're, we're using kind of uh, roundabout dates. It's, it's no one will Twitter will be angry for a while. Yeah. As long as it's... It just... The the way around historical issues is you just have to be cool. Yeah, this is true. So as long as the film is cool, no one will care. Yeah. And by gosh, it will be. Yes. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Because we're going to use phrases like, by gosh. Um, but yeah, there's... Well, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles always do. Yeah, true. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the idea being is that out of the Black Death has spawned both the Renaissance and the reanimation of all the corpses from the Black Death. And there is only one hero who can help us, and his name is Leonardo da Vinci. And the reason I want to use Leonardo da Vinci, not for his um, artistic abilities. The guy was obviously a, a, a very prolific painter. He did the Last Supper most famously, Mona Lisa. I preferred his earlier stuff. The Last Supper is weird. So I've, I've. This is, this is me being a, a bit of a cultural ponce. But I went to see the Last Supper, and it is, you kind of see the pictures of it, right? And you imagine it hanging in a nice gallery somewhere, and it's a big kind of bright painting. It's on like it's a fresco on the wall of like this dingy church like tiny little dingy church outside of Milan yeah. and it's all falling apart and like this church is looks completely unremarkable but it houses one of the most famous paintings in history uh, it's just really bizarre but anyway he's got a lot of lot of um artistic endeavors but i don't think painting the zombies is really going to help us here so we're going to go down his inventions route so Leonardo da Vinci famously hundreds and hundreds of sketches of all of these different inventions and some of the main inventions that he came up with were war machines as, as in the MCU as in the MCU yeah he he yeah. he is responsible for um uh was it Danny Glover and then not Danny Glover Danny Glover no it was it was Terence Howard and then not Terence Howard okay um so do do you think Leonardo da Vinci's just written at the bottom in like Italian Don Cheadle? Question mark. Don Cheadle. No, not Danny to be Glover. fair, uh, Don Don Cheadle in Italian is the same as in English because it's a name. <laughs> <laughs> Don Cheadle is also a very Italian-sounding name. It is, yeah. I, well, only because yeah. it sounds like he heads up an Italian crime family. It, yeah, it, it sounds hey. like a title. Don Cheadle. That's, that's my terrible. my knowledge of and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you yeah. uh, as uh, especially as a man with a history degree <laughs> um, my knowledge of Leonardo Leonardo da Vinci's War Machines comes almost entirely from Assassin's Creed. Oh, nice! So I got more from. Um, did you ever see Da Vinci's Demons, the TV show? Was that the, the one of the dwarfs from the Hobbit? 
Uh, t- also, or to, or to mums, Poldark. Tom Riley? Is he Poldark? Maybe. I don't know. I just know him as the obnoxiously attractive dwarf from The Hobbit. Um, Tom Riley. I don't think he is in The Hobbit. No, no, he is not who I was thinking of. I was thinking of... Da, 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 Aiden Turner. Ah. Who, to be fair, they look like they could be made from the same mould. Yeah. Oh, no! I know why I've got confused. Aidan Turner played Leonardo da Vinci in a series called Leonardo, which was a drama. Ah, okay. So, I'm not... That's not as stupid as I thought it was. Do continue. Right, I, I shall do. Um, so, yeah, I a lot of this is kind of inspired by da Vinci. Da Vinci's Demons was quite a fun sort of... It wasn't... It was, it was a bit ridiculous, but quite fun. And he was kind of, like, searching for this mystical book of leaves. And he was... Uh, basically, in this, like a lot of stuff happens in it that didn't actually obviously happen with the Leonardo da Vinci. There's a lot of mystical stuff and everything, um, but it's fun. And in it, there's a lot of instances where his inventions come to life. So, kind of leaning on that as a way to fend off the uh, the zombies from the gates gates of Florence. So he came up with a few different things. So he basically um, Leonardo da Vinci basically came up with the tank before tanks were a thing and bearing in mind this is in like the 1400s or whatever yeah. uh, very was... very shit level of Assassin's Creed where you, you have the tank <laughs> are we gonna are we, should we should we uh, bring this back everything back to Assassin's Creed see if they if it made it into Assassin's Creed or not I think so yeah let, let, let's, let's go for it <laughs> he had uh, a giant crossbow which was basically as it sounds a massive massive crossbow to take out um, like walls and things of, of castles and whatnot. Uh, he had a triple-barreled cannon, um, which was something that he he dreamt up. Did that? Did it rotate? <laughs> uh, no, it was just like three three barrels. Okay. No, it wasn't like an like early Gatling gun. That feels like an <laughs> end of the day invention, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so fuck it, three cannons. <laughs> just just glue them together. Sorry, what, Leo? Yeah, three cannons. <laughs> it's just three cannons instead of instead of one. It's three. It's like special cannons. No, just rope together. <laughs> I haven't invented superglue yet, all right? We're just going to rope them. Um, the scythed chariot. So this was basically like uh, a chariot with a massive, with four massive rotating um, scythe blades on the front of it. So as you kind of, as the horse moved forwards, this span. I mean that going through a horde of zombies, you can see it, right? Done. That that's that that's very brain dead, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He also had like some um, like inventions that were basically early versions of mortars, so cannons that then had. More. He loved he loved the cannon. Just point just point the cannon upwards. <laughs> just point it upwards. I gotta go home. We've done the helicopter. Just what about? Point the cannon down. Just point the cannon down. We'll call it a fucking. It's a down cannon. It's a. It's a. It's a nanoc. <laughs> and then obviously, yeah, you mentioned about the helicopters, but he had like a variety of ideas for flying machines. So again, you can kind of think, you know, how in Dawn of the Dead when they escape on the um in the uh what is it the school bus, hmm. the attempt at the end is everyone flies out of Florence on. Leonardo's um, flying machines. So yeah, I think there's. I think it could be quite interesting, particularly the as I say the scythe chariot. I like you can picture the scene of of that cutting through all of the all of the zombies. I think there's a good sort of backstory for why the zombies are there with the whole Black Death stuff. 
And like you say, a zombie period piece uh, would be good fun. The only zombie period piece I've read previously was uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. There's a very good... So I haven't watched it, but apparently it's good. Kingdom. Right. Which is medieval Korean zombies. Ah, yeah, I've heard of this. Um, There's also, I think, like a standalone movie of it as well. I've been meaning to get around to it, but I I have not. Mm. But that's all I can think of for period zombies anyway yeah and apart from like again apart from the the shows we keep coming back to so i'm sure doctor who's got them somewhere probably <laughs> like there's also a, i i was hoping to claw that crowbar this in somewhere but i didn't but people that call him da vinci that's that's not that's not okay da vinci <laughs> well da vinci just means of vinci or of vinci oh so is it just like Leonardo Smith. Well, it it's it. What it is is that it just means it. Well, it's even it's even more vague than that, right? Because anyone who lived in Vinci could be called Da Vinci. So, uh, if you're ever referring to to him, you must use uh, Leonardo. So there's there, there's a useful there is, bit of pub quiz knowledge for you. There is going to be a c- couple of colossal pricks who live in Vinci called Leonardo, <laughs> who insist on saying, oh, oh you talk about me? Hey, because I'm, yeah. I'm Leonardo da Vinci. Get it? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Later? Oh, fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 the idea. Black Death, uh, oh. Leonardo da Vinci, all of his inventions, saving Florence from the zombies. Oh. His his name gets better. Uh, yeah, because isn't it like son of something? Or yeah, so his middle name is son of Sir Piero, <laughs> <laughs> Leonardo de Sir Piero da Vinci. So it's Leonardo. That would just be like me, Ian, son of Kevin from Hillington. Yeah. <laughs> well, son of Kevin is my middle name. I think it would suit. Yeah. No, I, I like I I like this idea. It, it's very. Uh... Again, this isn't zombies, but it gives me uh, Van Helsing vibes. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, action stuff out of things that shouldn't really be action. But I I could see it. And, you know, the franchise writes itself, right? Yeah, as in just we're going to follow the Assassin's Creed. uh... (laughs) Yeah, just the the plot of Assassin's Creed, uh, whatever, the Ezio ones. Would you would you have sequels to this be? So is this a is this a zombie series, or is it a Leonardo fights blank series? Ah, I'm I'm after as much money as possible. So both we're going to have spin offs in both directions. <laughs> Leonardo nice. uh, Leonardo protecting Florence from all of the uh, evils of the world. Um, in he he is basically becoming like a, a Van Helsing type character, and then yeah, let's let's go zombies through time. Jesus versus like zombies. It. Jesus versus zombies. Yeah, he was a zombie. He was a zombie. Yeah, one one, a one of his own. So it's it's Leonardo versus Jesus. Is the what was the, the final what was the final showdown? The good bad Jesus movie we watched. I've I've literally blocked it out. Of my uh, head. Jesus Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. That's wasn't the, it? Was it vampires? Yeah, it must have been. It was one of the best things I've ever watched. Oh, I don't yeah, know Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, and it was yeah. fucking awful. <laughs> oh, dear. The and cl- it was a musical. Oh, yes, it was. 
I've blocked so much of that out of my my memory. <laughs> Starring Phil Caracas. Um, yeah, so uh, if you want to hear more about Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, you can listen to uh, League of Good Bad Movie episodes from uh, last year. Uh, a spin-off, a spin-off podcast series, which will probably roll out again at some point, unless a load of you sign up for Patreon, and then we'll just do it for you. And you can yeah. sign up for Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the podcast nobody asked for. Nice. Always ABA. Always be advertising. Always be advertising. Always be slaying can be your Leonardo tagline. Yeah. Or they, you could have... Um, uh, the tagline could be they didn't stand a renaissance. No, that doesn't work. It, it kind of does. Which, if anything... Makes it a better tagline. <laughs> well, it's like chance renaissance. It sounds similar enough. Um, and then, of course, there'll be a, a belated sequel where Tom Hanks in modern day tries to figure all of this out. <laughs> it should have been called the Leonardo Code, right? Those were our choices. Now we have reached the time of the podcast where we figure out what the official top three list is. So... Out of mine, my top three, I think I'm going to go Scott of the Antarctic number three, just because it is a prequel. It would be a prequel, and I, you know, I, I'm going to take preference to the kind of the original ideas. Uh, I'm going a Robert Johnson horror movie in second. Um, I can, I think it would really, really work, but I am going Amelia Earhart number one, just because I want to see a demon octopus in a horror movie. Nice. Like, I don't. I, I, again, as a fan of uh, kind of creature design and things like that, a demon octopus. There's a lot, a lot of potential there. What about yours? What's the top three of your three? Um, so I think third place, uh, we're going to go Galapagos. Um, I do like the idea of um, uh, Charles Darwin um, going a bit evolution crazy, um, but it's... Um, I, I, re- I respect the man too much to uh, <laughs> to take him down to a uh, take him down to a caricature of a horror movie villain. So in second place, we're going to go Black Death, um, Da Vinci and his ah oh, no I did it ah oh, ah oh, Leonardo Da Vinci and his uh, scythe chariot cutting down swathes of zombies. Whilst um, I, I like the idea of maybe after a hard day zombieing, he's he gets back and that's when he comes up with his like three canon thing like you know when you have like a um a checklist of like right every day doesn't matter how good about it is every day we're gonna have a new invention and he's just like <laughs> it's like half past 11 he's been killing zombies and all day and he's like yeah fuck it just three three cannons that'd be great um, leo <laughs> oh, why don't we have an extra cannon it's like, oh, extra cannon <laughs> <laughs> then you just hear hammering and uh for some reason a blowtorch because we're not taking history seriously in this film <laughs> Um, and therefore in first place we're going to have allegory Um, so Plato chaining people to a wall who don't buy into his uh, philosophy I like it Uh, Black black Snake Plato Black Snake Plato (laughs) I I reread the plot to that film after we talked about it and I still can't fathom how it got made that would be the same soundtrack as my Robert Johnson movie though Uh, very similar yeah yeah 
Uh, right. So, out of out, uh, out of all of the choices, what are you thinking for the official, the podcast maybe asked for top three? Um, it's a tricky one. It was a tricky one. Plato, Plato, I agree with. Yeah, Plato. Uh, just, just in general. <laughs> Seems to have some good ideas until he chained those guys up in a cave. Yeah. Then uh, then he got cancelled. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like Plato. I like um I like demon octopuses. Um I I'm I'm also picturing the demon octopus like the Kraken in the um uh opening credits to Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, there's a good. I, I I do love a good Kraken. Nice rum. Um, yeah, I'm slightly struggling um, because I did like your. I, I think I'm just I'm just always drawn to the thing, and maybe because that's the thing is in all of us. Um, but I did <laughs> I, I did all. I did quite like that ahead of um, I forget his name Robert Johnson, and then um, yeah Leonardo da Vinci um, slaying zombies as well. It's just uh, like you say the the whole um, the the period piece of of a zombie movie um, I think could work quite well. I I I really like all of these choices. It's a very very difficult one because I also really like body horror Charles Darwin. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, Pl- Plato. I think Plato and Demon Plato and Demon Octopus. I think they they're in there. Yeah, I like the the Plato idea. You would also learn something. Which you is would. always important, and yeah, I just think the opportunity for a demon octopus uh, battling Amelia Earhart is uh, too good to miss. And then, yeah, I can't whittle it down at all. I do, I do, I like the, I really like the idea of a, like what would basically be a steampunk period zombie movie. Yeah. Though I do like the idea of a decent thing prequel. I do like the idea of body horror Charles Darwin, and I like the idea of Hellhounds. We could maybe get, um, we could maybe get body horror Charles Darwin into the Amelia Earhart story because he happened to be on the Pacific Island and was making human crab people which were the things that eventually ate Amelia Earhart at the end <laughs> let's whittle it down I am going to Scott of the Antarctic I will take off of the table Okay, just because I do think it would really really work but maybe we bring it up on like a prequels we would watch kind of list right like it, it's to, to whittle it down i will say we focus on the original ideas yeah okay so i prefer da vinci to darwin yep just in general never really backed the whole evolution thing oh i um, thought i thought we were talking about um the location so you just preferred da vinci to australia uh yeah no i, I always prefer vinci to uh to darwin there's more to do more history <laughs> So, I ah, it is a very very tough one. I would go. I might side Leonardo over Robert Johnson, just because Robert Johnson ha- it has been touched on in other things. This is true. But I still think it would be so fucking cool. I also think the other thing I think that that Leonardo da Vinci versus zombies has is the um. Like you've got the perfect starting point, right? The the Black Death happening, which is another historical event, and then this kind of comes as a result of it. So, hmm. yeah, all right. I can, I can, I, I can, I can, I can back Leonardo of Vinci. <laughs> what would you say is number one? Would you go Plato or would you go Demon Octopus? 
Um, the, the cave, or to even octopus, rather. I feel like it's... I, I would go Plato purely because I feel like it's more of an out-and-out horror movie. I can... I can... I can... I can agree with that. I, I do... I do like... I do like the Plato idea, because it is... It could be really fucked up. It could be massively fucked up, and also it's hugely pretentious. <laughs> yeah. And that's the best kind of movie. <laughs> Uh, have you seen that Plato horror film uh, based on the allegory of the cave? Okay, all right, let's go for that then. Did we get a? Because we've got. Did we get a name for the Amelia Earhart movie? Um, we didn't. I'm not sure what I'd go for to be honest. All all is in my head is Octopussy, but that's already a film. That is already a film. Yeah. Also, just just a, a really quick aside. 007. Yeah. Yeah. It's not 007, is it? It's 007. Well, I mean, if anything, it's 7. Well, that too. But 007, it, it's, it, it just occurred to me this morning. <laughs> I can just imagine not you, like, <laughs> sitting bolt upright in bed, like, sweating. It's like, babe, what's wrong? It's like, it's 007. <laughs> what is this? Oh, it's just bothered me since since I uh, clocked it this morning. Oh, oh, and zero's interchangeable for a lot of people. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. Because... Well, I, I still I still say my phone number, oh seven whatever. Well, but that's because you're wrong, Ian. Well, no, it's definitely my number. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not oh, is it? It's a zero. There's a, there was a big difference that one is a letter and one is a number. Well, this is why I'm never going to be the chancellor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. The podcast nobody asked for us. Top three, which historical figures should be in a horror movie? Number three, we have Leonardo da Vinci battling zombies. Number two, we have Amelia, Amelia Earhart battling a demon octopus. And number one, we have Plato locking people into a cave. If you agree with our choices, if you disagree with our choices, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also find us on Patreon. Uh, all of that money goes into... Uh, hosting and promo and all of the costs of running an independent podcast and you get a load of stuff as well which is always nice it is if you have if you can think of a, a funny quirky name for uh the Amelia Earhart movie tweet us um at nobody else for pod of the number four you can also find us at the same place on facebook and if you want to find all of the links and wonderful things about the podcast, you can go to podcastnobodyasked4.co.uk. And remember to leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, and in your review, put any future episode ideas, and we will try to do the best one. So that is, that's that's today. That's that. Um, I wonder who will be Prime Minister next episode. My, my money is on... Um, I was trying to think of something funny, but it's all just too depressing. It could be anyone. I think we're all going to have a go. By by this time next year, we'll have all have had a, our 15 minutes in number 10. I, I, yeah, just conscript, like, yeah, like, like jury duty. Yeah. Like, uh, I need to have the next two weeks off because I'm going to be foreign secretary. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't think that's as insane an idea as it sounds. Well, like, it can't be worse. Am I right? <laughs> you are. That you are, sir. Ugh, no one asked for this.